Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all, to feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. That's why Amazon patented one-click checkout. Like back then, people were like, what? That's such a weird thing to pat one-click checkout. Who cares? Yeah. Because the difference between one-click checkout and two-click checkout or three is significant. People drop yeah. off. I think the nice thing about the short-term rental space, no, actually all of hospitality, we are all generally users as well. We're hosts, but we stay with other hosts. We're GMs, but we stay at other hotels. And so we can see it from both sides. When things are just easy and frictionless, that's like the key. When things are not yeah. easy, when something's challenging, even if people are going above and beyond, it still is just like, okay, and we're just, we're spoiled, unfortunately. But yeah, I could go on. But I think that there are a lot of parallels between e-commerce and hospitality and a lot of it is just that like we're moving towards more digital world. And so how do you represent products digitally right now? You really just do that through images and video and descriptions and reviews. And so that becomes really important no matter what you're selling. You're listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, a podcast for those who are in and around the hospitality industry who love, live and breathe what they do. You can join us for candid and unscripted conversations with hospitality experts and founders as we go deeper into their personal stories while they're sharing their triumphs and trials that got them to where they are today. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and you're listening to an episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast. Now, let's begin. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Will Slickers. Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you are here and watching the live stream or if you're just listening on the audio version, just know that this episode, I interview Mark, who is a founder of Minoan. And in Minoan, this is a very fascinating conversation behind what goes into e-commerce, what is the shoppable experience for guests, how do hosts and property managers or even hotel GMs earn extra revenue in stay and post stay and what is the e-commerce world compared to short-term rentals hospitality as a whole there's a couple things that mark has stated in this episode that got me really excited and i think if you go all the way through give it a full listen you'll enjoy this conversation have plenty of takeaways and the biggest thing for me as the host and creator of the show is not to interview founders for founders I say this at the end of the episode that I'm not doing this to give a community of founders extra content and conversation points to talk about. I'm doing this because I personally relate to the stories of founders as I've created my own business, as I've been struggling or have struggled with uh, mental health and you know self-awareness and all these personal traits growing up as a kid. I want this conversation to be applied to anybody, whether you are a hotel housekeeper, if you are a tech founder, if you are a salesperson, if you are a marketing expert, I don't care what your role or what industry you're in. This type of content and conversation for me is to give to anybody. I think it's applicable any way, shape or form. So 
Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I really hope you enjoy. This episode is sponsored by our friends at Journey. If you haven't heard of Journey already, you need to go check them out, J-U-R-N-Y.com, and go to the link in the show notes. Let them know that Will Slicker sent you. Click on the drop-down menu that you heard this from a podcast or from Hospitality FM, our podcast network, and just do a demo of their unified platform. I think if you are about tech and if you're about systems and operations and building out a really seamless structure for your company, then you need a demo with Journey. Get that done and let them know Will sent you. And if you do, you'll get up to 10 free smart locks for your property or properties, depending on however many properties you need or have, then you will get those smart locks for your property if you just demo and sign up. So Check them out, J-U-R-N-Y.com. And now back to the episode. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. I'm your host, Will Slickers. And today I'm joined by Mark, who is the founder of Minoan. And I'm excited for this episode because over the last, what, I would say month or so, I've gotten to get to know Mark and his team. Uh, We met up in Nashville for the SGR Wealth Conference um, and just really have been loving the 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 creativity and just see seeing the inside scoop of what's happening inside Minoan. So Mark, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. And uh how are you doing? Yeah, happy to be here. I'm doing doing well. Having a good week, yeah. having a good day. So it's uh I'm up in northern Vermont and it's like perfect weather is nothing to complain about. Perfect. Well I'm excited to jump in. Uh I know you and I have talked about your story. You and I actually got to meet uh, some time ago in 2021, which was a whole nother crazy time to yeah. talk about maybe for another podcast. But um, I want to hear kind of where everything started for you. Where does your career begin? Where does your journey um, you know, really start? Because I think a lot of the listeners from, you know, from me to them, I want to tell not just stories of founders, but stories of people that are relatable, right? I think you have a, a really unique story and you started off uh, in, a, in a proper spot. You weren't just some guy who came up with an idea randomly and never you know had any experience so uh yeah. yeah let's dive in yeah sure so um i'll try and quickly zip through some stuff my uh first job out of college was uh a bdr which i didn't know what that meant people in sales will know what that is but <laughs> um a company called ceb um i was basically you know glorified cold calling trying to set up sales meetings which uh, i hated but you know, when you, um, when you make like 200 dials a day and you catch an executive and you have like 10 seconds to make a pitch and try and get in the scheduled meeting, you, you develop some pretty good skills that I've carried with me. And so one thing I always tell people, you know, it's not like sales, uh, is not glorious when you start out. It's a lot of rejection, but I think it like builds really strong foundational skills, particularly for folks who want to be entrepreneurs. Um, yeah. While I was at CEB, um, I got a call from a friend who had just uh, joined a company called Jet.com, which was a new e-commerce marketplace. Um, I always loved startups and entrepreneurship. And, um, you know, I was really excited by the idea of joining this company that had a lot of money. Was uh, I think when I joined, it was like 50 people. Um, yeah, so joined Jet. The company grew. So when I joined, it was 50 people. Within two months, it was like 200 people. Um, 
we launched like five months after I joined. And then 10 months after that, we were already doing $80 million a month in GMV. So it was a insane, like hold on to your horses <laughs> type of company. Yeah. Um, yeah. I learned a lot there, which I can talk about in a little bit. And then uh, yeah, the founders of that business, Mark Laurie being the, the founder, um, they sold the business to Walmart uh, I think August of 2016. And then I, um, went over to Walmart as part of that acquisition. I took over a $400 million business in e-commerce managing a section of sporting goods, basically. Um, wow. spent a lot of time optimizing experiences on websites in e-commerce, uh, spent a lot of time with the team in Bentonville, the stores sort of brick and mortar side, working through uh, like how to set the modular, basically thinking like what products go where on the aisles and the end caps. And yeah, that was sort of where I had the idea for, for Minoan. I was like, man, the, the best product experiences, like they don't happen on screens and they don't happen on shelves and aisles the way they do in like a Target or Walmart or these stores. They happen in real moments of use. Um, yeah. And, you know, one of those ideas that like you think about it when you're in bed, and then you're like, I can't go to sleep. You know, and it's like <laughs> uh, you start writing stuff down in your phone. And yeah, after several months of of that, uh, I I decided to take the leap and get it going. I love it. And there's a lot to dive into, which we will. I I promise. We I wrote it down. But um, I always love to ask this question to founders who went to college. Do you feel like college? was something that you thrived in or is school was school just something that really, I don't know. I, I, I barely graduated high school. I always say I, I just yeah. don't learn that in that type of setting. Um, I'm very much hands-on, like got to do it. Got to figure out myself. Um, what was that like for you? I was a better student in college than I was in high school. Um, which I think is, is rare. I think I, um, I'm a big believer in uh, education. Do I believe that that needs to be structured in like a university or a college? No. I mean, I'm like, dude, I still, I, I read books with a notepad next to me and I write stuff down. Like I'm reading a book called The Body by Bill Bryson right now, which is like fascinating, crazy. Our bodies are so complicated and incredible it's like the most incredible technology you know, in the world is in us um and i'm on like, it's by uh by bill bryson bill bryson who's a great author bryson. yeah cool. and so i'm still reading books and writing stuff down and that's not in a structured curriculum or a structured yeah um did i do well in that environment i went to i think i did went to a, a college um, in the University of Michigan, I think did a really good job of getting me excited about learning. Um, I don't think I was as exciting about excited about learning in high school. I was much more excited about hanging out with my friends and playing sports. But I think Michigan did a good job of getting me excited about learning. And so I benefited greatly from that. But um, if people can get there on their own, I mean, there's so we have access to yeah. so much like we have access to more information than any generation ever. Um, and so I don't think that it's, it's fully necessary. I do think what's necessary is the love of learning and the motor to go out and learn new things. And 
things, some things that you can't learn at all. I mean, a lot of things you can't learn at all in the classroom, but like learning how to deal with failure or adversity, which um, I think is really, really important, particularly in entrepreneurship. I mean, that's what you're signing up for. You're basically yeah. signing up to, to just, you know, get your face pushed in the mud every day and have to figure stuff out. And so the more you can get used to dealing with that well and humbly, I think um, that's what's really important. So, so, I, I, yeah. so I think not for everyone yeah. helps me out, but I don't see it as like a requirement for work. No, for sure. Cause you, like yeah. Well, I was just, I always think of it cause like a lot of, you know, growing up, I, I'm a 95 baby. So I was always told at least going, you know, through middle school and high school, Hey, you need to think about your career. You need to think about college. Um, what college are you going to? If you're not going to college, like you're going to set yourself up for failure. Most jobs need a bachelor's degree and something. Um, and I just, I just never was that, that kid. And so, you know, a lot of founders, when I find out that they went to college, I'm always curious to see, was it college? Cause they went to college because everyone's like, Hey, you need to go and figure something out. And kind of go with it or was it like actually do you survive and like thrive in an environment where I, I think you kind of phrased it better than I probably would have because I had made it three months through through college and uh dropped out immediately so um but like you know when a company not company but a college or a university can get you excited about learning I think for me the reason why I've been able to continue like podcasting and doing all these things is because I get excited about the growth and like learning new things along the way that get me amped up um, so, you know, if a college can do that for you, then obviously like that's a good environment, I think yeah. better than, yeah, better than a structured, go to class, go, go do your homework, take a test. It's, 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 it's heavily reliant on the, on really the teachers. Like when it doesn't matter if it's high school or college, like I became really interested in economics in college. Um, cause I had a really good one-on-one professor, hmm. one of my very good friends, had a different professor and had a horrible experience and just like couldn't get into it. And I'm like, wow, that's ridiculous. That's crazy to me that like, yeah. I don't, and I don't think me and this person are very different. It's just like, it's crazy. Like it's, so <laughs> it's not the school. Um, it's really the, the teachers and there's so many good teachers on YouTube now. Like you can take all these great um, classes and teachers also don't need to be structured teachers. They could be mentors or just like, you know, reading shoe dog, like Phil yeah. Knight, you know, I'm like taking notes. Like, you know, he's, he's an entrepreneurial teacher in that book. So I think that that part is important. Like going to people who have great experience and learning from them. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's lots of elements of structured learning that don't work. And honestly, you're like detrimental, like where you really teach people the color between the, in between the lines. And they don't realize that the world isn't like that, that like you yeah. can influence things and, in different ways so 100 and you also said earlier too i think the the part where school i think is is great because like i don't think i don't know i always get caught up in the people are like oh go to college don't go to college you don't need to do it we have access to everything right like yes you do but i think depending on who you are and how you're you're wired that's where it gets really down to like okay you need to be able to be make a choice but the biggest thing i've been able to see through like friends and just like younger you know generations that i've gotten to know through family or whatever is that self-awareness is really like starting to develop right then and there i think college uh helps kind of break out of that shell in high school 
no matter what i don't i don't think it's ever going to go away it's so clicky you're a jock you're a band geek you're a you're a theater kid you're a whatever you you get kind of placed in that's becoming super self-identifying for you at that age so then where now self-awareness i didn't really become like i would say fully self-aware until i like got to 21 22 not fully self-aware like i'm unlocking like the universe yeah, yeah. but uh, but like started to come self-aware like holy shit i'm doing things that like family wanted me to do that i have actually have had never had a desire to do but for some reason just got thrown into or whatever like that case may be um so yeah i think that time specifically uh like high school going to college you get so much exposure to diversity and to adversity and to yeah all the other stuff that really make you think for yourself rather than just I'm doing it because my parents wanted me to go to this college or I'm, I'm doing it because everyone else is here and I need to follow my friends or whatever it may be. So, yeah. 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 I mean the, the, the cerebral cortex, you know, the outermost part of your brain, it, it, it's in development until you're like 25, 26, you might've just, you're 26. You might've just, uh hit like 20 27 27 <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mean you can't learn yeah, yeah. new things you can learn new things uh forever um yeah. but really like developing like um and growing the way you do when you're a child uh mm. this that sort of slows down at um 26 and so that's like you know we say 18 people are are adults and they are i mean at that but your brain's developed enough at that point to make your own decisions but really like um the skills the things that you learn before 26 are the stickiest so if you get really good at sales before you're 25 or learning a language that's like the most uh, you know that's the example people keep going to um and so and so a lot of those years are when you're when a lot of people um go to go to college but man we could do a whole pod i have i'm so passionate i'm so passionate about education and like so like things that are wrong with it it's so freaking expensive Mm -hmm. and it's it's not a good like it's so important to our just country overall like education levels are one of the largest um indicators of like economic power and and Mm -hmm. uh, obviously leads to like you know technological innovation and stuff like that and so um, I'm a big believer in just accessibility of education. And I, I don't think, I don't like the idea of having like really good professors in this one little room where they can talk to 200 people. I'm like, open them up, let everyone yeah. learn, like make it accessible to everyone. And then the people who can get the most out of it, you know? And so, yeah, we'll save that. Maybe yeah. we'll save that for another. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say, we'll, we'll definitely have to do like a part two, like behind the scenes <laughs> glimpse of like, I just uh, a rant on all because I agree. I think, you know, at the end of the day, if you have 200 people in a room with all the best professors, guess what? If you exposed it to the world for free or even for just 10 bucks or whatever, like a yeah. super low amount, guess what? Most people still won't even act on that. So the fact that like it's going to be what the person takes away from it and how they apply it rather than like closing it off, because if you make it harder to get, guess what? It's even going to be less of a, you know, initiation to actually engage with that type of content anyways so people don't people i I used to be intimidated by the fact that all this information is out there and like accessible to everyone you know i'm like shoot like everyone has this you know how do we and then like as i got older i sort of realized that like 
not everyone, just because there's more information out there doesn't mean we're all, we all get smarter. <laughs> yes. And yes. Just, just taking the time to go in and really learn. I mean, in early on in Minoan, I got in touch with a professor at the University of Wisconsin, Joanne Peck, who studies haptics, basically in proprioception, basically the study of touch. Because one of my, my hypotheses was that I feel like when you can get someone to touch and use a product in retail, you know, I think that conversion goes up. I think that willingness to pay goes up. I think that it becomes much more powerful. And I was like, well, I don't actually know this. I need to go and find somebody who knows this. And so I did a bunch mm -hmm. of, you know, ResearchGate is a site you can just look up articles. And so I found this professor, Joanne Peck, who studied this stuff, who studied all these studies where you put a coffee mug, you know, in front of someone and then uh, half the people can actually touch it and use it. Half the people can't. And you sort of study what they're willing to pay, how much they remember it. What like, anyways, super interesting. I reached out to her. She was like, wow, no one reaches out to me. No one's, like, no one's interested in what I'm doing. Like I have students who pay to come here who aren't even this interested. We built a really good relationship. She ended up sending me a PDF of her textbook, which I wow. read, I read cover to cover. I didn't even read textbooks in college. I didn't read them in high school, but I read this thing cover to cover. And I like, I think one of the things I wish, like, you know, I'm still young and early in my career, but one of the, one of the regrets I have is I wish my passion for learning had bloomed a little bit earlier mm -hmm. um, because that's the real power. And, and it goes back sure. to what we were talking about. Like that's the, that's, those are the people who are going to go out and get this information and internalize it and think critically and use that to then build better strategies and build good businesses. Um, yeah. That's what it all comes down to. This episode is brought to you by my friends at Hostfully. And if you're a property manager anywhere in the country, then you definitely need to look at joining Hostfully for their property management software or their digital guidebooks. Because we all know that streamlining your operations as a property management company or a host can be super difficult and time consuming. And this is the tool that helps you take care of that and earn back time from your day and to actually have a life. So if you haven't already, go to hostfully.com, use my code SLICKTALK20 and make sure that you have that ready to go because it will be a game changer for you. So go ahead, go to the link in the show notes, hostfully.com, use code SLICKTALK20 and enjoy having some time back in your life. And now back to the episode. That's super fascinating. And I, and I want to get like, we're going to tie this all in together, but for everyone listening, we, we've kind of covered, you know, jet.com, getting into Walmart e-commerce and you know kind of this idea right like you had this idea for months you're writing ideas on the notes you can't sleep what is minoan for anyone who were to go to the website today because i'm going to use what you're saying now to tie back into some more really good questions yeah. so so, yeah. so you know we call ourselves a native retail platform which is about building real world shoppable experiences um and basically what we built is a platform where hosts can come and uh, purchase products from 200 uh, name brands at very steep discounts, all in one portal where you can see like everything in one place. So stuff from Crate and Barrel, stuff from Public Goods, stuff from Wayfair, stuff from Article. It's all in one place. You can see the budget when it's going to ship consolidated and then check out 
and save a bunch of money and basically just track everything in one place. And then what we do is we take those products you purchase, we pipe them into a shoppable experience. Like it's almost like a, think of like a Shopify store that's custom built for your listing or property. Mm-hmm. And we build these nice little like uh, powder coated, like note cards that'll sit at the property for the guests that say, Hey, found something you like, or want to learn more scan here. And we let them buy the products one, or if they're loving the, you know, the mattress they've been sleeping on, if they're loving the coffee maker, they're loving the coffee beans, they can buy it through Minoan. And so it's almost like B to B to C, you know, getting these products into these hospitality environments where they're creating really meaningful moments and then using those moments to then create, uh, you know, moments of inspiration with guests where they can buy products that they, that they really loved using during their stay. Yeah. And for a lot of people, I think, especially for the listeners that have been listening to the last few episodes that we've had, I think a big topic that we've been seeing within hospitality as a whole, not just short-term rentals, but short-term rentals obviously is really applicable to this, is that we are no longer as an industry looking for to fill up our calendars. We don't need that. That's not the issue. It's not getting nights booked. It's getting inventory and then it's making extra revenue outside of the nightly rate. And so like we had the founder of Oki, which is a European uh, based uh, hotel upsell platform. Um, And then, you know, now you and we've had, you know, uh, we were at high tech in Orlando where we're working with UTIP. So UTIP, you know, is a contactless appless tipping platform um, helps increase KPIs and ROI for your, your properties. Plus, your, your attention on employment. So um, I think it's a, it's a very much needed thing, right? Like if you're in a home or a vacation rental or uh, even a hotel room, you know, we've seen Hilton do it there. They come up yeah. with their own mattresses and guess what? You can now buy a Hilton mattress, bring it home with you. Um, stuff like that. Like you get to experience it. So for you guys, um, when it comes to the shoppable experience, can you really describe maybe a little bit more in depth. I know you already covered, you know, the experience moment making aspect, but what does shoppable mean when it comes to, you know, having that experience, right? Like what is shoppable when it comes to a fragmented industry that's so spread out with so many different properties and so many different, you know, everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think shoppable is a word because every time I put it in an email, like it gets underlined in red. So it is a, (laughs) a good question, but, um, you know, for us, it comes back to this theme of like the best product experiences. You know, if we're talking about retail, yeah, 99% of retail happens on screens in e-commerce or on shelves in brick and mortar stores. That's not where the best product experiences happen. The best pr- product experiences happen in moments of use. Um, and so we talk about shoppable stays. We mean when someone's coming and staying at your property, they're in, they're having these incredibly rich interactions with all these different types of products, electronics, uh, smart thermostats, smart locks, uh, lighting fixtures, furniture, snacks, uh, fitness equipment, maybe even uh, soap, shampoos. And there are moments of inspiration that occur there. Like people will be like, wow, this is a really nice, soap or shampoo and and like yeah you can use it in the shower you can't do that in e-commerce you can't like actually see what does the shampoo smell like how does it lather you can't do it in a cvs you know there's no shower head that you can like kind of sneak yeah. under like yeah i like this one 
that's true for every single product. Like it's better to sleep on a mattress for three or four nights and see how you feel when you wake up than to swipe through pictures on a website or, you know, go to a mattress firm and lie on one fully clothed for like 20 seconds with a salesperson sitting over you. Like, what do you think? You like that one? Like, that's not the right way to do it. And I think that's true of any product that exists in the physical. Better to sit on furniture than to look at pictures of it. It's better to listen to music that you like Mm -hmm. on a speaker in a space. That's way better than going to Best Buy where they have one song queued up that's like perfectly tuned and you're just like, oh, this sounds good. Like, you know, we're getting uh, we're getting catfished in retail a whole lot. Um, And so that's what we mean by shoppable is these like real moments. You can really see if you like something. And if you like it, we make it really easy for you to buy it. If you don't like it, no sweat off our back. You know, we're not in your face. We're not NASCARing the space. There's not price tags. It's just a very tasteful sort of simple guide that if you scan it, it opens up this world where you can look around and be like, Oh, that's what that TV. Oh, that's what that is. Oh, that's really cool. Oh, that's what that smell is. I love that candle. And it's bringing those moments to life. And that's what we mean when we say shoppable or native experiences. We think that's the best way to do it in retail. Yeah. And we also just think that that means that these hosts and GMs who are creating those moments are sitting on a lot of value. It's, mm incredibly valuable. And I just don't think the hosts are getting credit for how much value they create there. And that's why we built Minoan so they could save money up front and make money on the tail end. Because if you look at what those moments are worth, right, someone's coming and sleeping on a mattress for three or four nights in a row, you know, like a, a CPC on Google for a mattress, CPC cost per click, could be like seven bucks. So if a click, you know, if like, if that's worth seven dollars, mm-hmm. what is it worth to these brands to have someone come in and sleep on their mattress for three or four nights? A hell of a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the power and the value that we want to help these hosts and these hospitality professionals unlock. Um, because we already know brands are willing to pay for this. They're just not paying hosts right now. The reason why they're not paying hosts is because the technology and the infrastructure of tracking this and quantifying it doesn't exist has not existed and that's what yeah. we're building that's i i was just writing down you know i think the intentionality right when we're first thing i was taught through marriott right is to anticipate the guest needs so yeah. one thing that i've been seeing through this pattern of in-stay revenues which can turn even to post-stay revenue which can also turn into direct bookings repeat guests all this stuff through something as simple as really enjoying the mattress that they can't have at home, but yet they knew that when I was at that cabin in the woods with my fiance for the weekend, I got the best sleep I've ever had. Maybe, yeah, there was less cars and noise outside, but I slept really great on that mattress. And if I just knew the link, uh, you know, maybe I could continue that at home, which then next time I want to go on vacation, I'm going to put that property in my top 10 or top five, depending on the destination or feel. But like that's such a long thread of moments and butterfly effects that happen, right? Like yeah. that's, yeah. So the intentionality behind it, I think just overall, like, I don't know if you just put one QR code, like I like that you said, you're not going to do tags everywhere, right? You're not going to be a walking into a, like a, an Ikea, right? Where you're walking through every section and setting and yeah. all, this, all this other stuff. But I think 
just having it there, anticipating the need of, I might really enjoy the shampoo because I've been struggling with a itchy dry scalp or whatever the situation may be. And I didn't have that here on this vacation or on this business trip. I really enjoyed that coffee maker and made my coffee faster than my coffee pot at home. I need something like this because I work remote, I travel, whatever, all this stuff really goes in. Um, So I think just that alone, uh, like you said, is the biggest value add you could probably do uh, with little to no thought once, because I know hosts, like we met, a lot of these hosts at the Esther Wealth Conference, right? Like yeah. they are so intentional with their properties. They're one, two, maybe up to 10 properties, but every single one gets the most highest level of attention to detail I've seen in a long time. And so to easily have that attention to detail carried over into something so simple, so easy that they don't have to continue to sell and do like they can embed it in messaging. They can have a little uh, QR code there. Sorry, I know I'm selling really hard, but like you just kind of sparked. Up, a, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I was gonna say you just sparked a, you know, the thought of you know this is why we love hospitality, right? It's moments. It's yeah. I I think that um I think a few things. One, I think that that these hosts, there's different types of hosts. There's different strategies, yeah. and this is this is in you know like choice has a very different strategy than Marriott. Uh, mm-hmm. Same thing is reflected in the short term rental. You know, there are hosts who are like heads in beds you know that's it yeah. um and then there are hosts who really are creating euphoric experiences um and i think the people that are doing that like they're four-walled influencers mm, I like and that. i just don't think they're being treated that way um and i think brands know that when we talk to brands they're like we would love to be in these spaces but they're like how <laughs> you know they're like yeah. we don't have a systematic way of doing this like it's a super fragmented market how do we go out and validate how do we you know and so we're like well we do all that and that's why we have an application mm-hmm. process we we talk to hosts and we're inspired I mean, we we're we're inspired by properties all the time we're like wow this is incredible um and the other thing i'll say is like hospitality is an industry. We're very familiar with the experience economy. Um, Mm -hmm. That's like our bread and butter. That's where we make money. I think there's another potentially even larger economy that these folks should be getting a piece of, and that's the attention economy. Mm. And the attention economy is monopolized right now by Facebook and Google. I mean, that's what they're doing. They are markets for attention. Quite simply, they get your attention and they serve you. It's kind of like, you know, they serve you a brand that is paying for it. So, and that's big. I mean, go, you know, go those for publicly traded companies. Go look, yeah. <laughs> go look how much, how many billions they are printing every quarter in profit. Yeah. Again, I mean, hosts know that that's after you pay everyone else, just in pure profit. So, and again, it goes back to the click thing. I think that the moments of attention that hosts provide are more valuable. And I think it's more natural. It doesn't need to be pop up, boom, in your face. It's like, yeah. we have a tea kettle here. If you make tea, use it. If you don't make tea, you don't have to use it. We don't need to be like, boom, try the tea kettle. It's like everything yeah. there is there for utilization. It's, it's just like, it perfectly meshes in. And so when you talk to brands, and the types of moments they want to create, it aligns very much with the hospitality space. And when you look at what these professionals are already doing, it's like all that, it's already there. 
It's just yeah. not being reflected. It's not being priced in yet to what hosts are paying and what they're getting back from his brand. And that's what we're trying to fix. 100%. And I want to bring up a quote from a earlier episode with Evan uh, Dalgo, who's with uh, Jarvis ML. Um, he said in, in his episode, he comes from a, a heavy real estate, but e-commerce background. And he said, short-term rentals or hospitality is not, uh, we're not, we're not in the hospitality industry. We're not in the real estate industry. We are in an e-commerce industry. If you look at Airbnb and how they built their platform and all this other stuff. So for you guys, I've been knowing when it comes to, you know, e-commerce compared to short-term rentals, do you guys see the same similarity when it comes to, obviously you do within the home. I love the four wall influencer, you know, market, but for a guest, do they, they see travel, right? When I see TikToks and Instagram reels and all this stuff, right? People are, I'm traveling, I'm staying at this Airbnb. Granted, I know there's a lot of people that hate that term of being called an Airbnb, but let's yeah. just say from the traveler, the consumer's perspective, right? They see it as travel, but I know these tech companies like Airbnb see it as e-commerce, right? They're heavily focusing on pictures right now. They're not focusing on titles and descriptions anymore like they used to. They're making it click, click, booked literally two clicks you're done instead of when you go to a you know a direct booking website it's fill in your name fill in your last name your address your credit card your email uh any people you're traveling with i agree to the terms and conditions of this uh booking blah 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 like that's already 10 clicks before getting to the actual pay now button or book reservation yeah. so so what are you guys seeing uh when it comes to e-commerce comparatively to short-term rentals I think it's very similar. There's a lot of unique things in hospitality that you can only learn from working in the space. When we talk to GMs and hosts who've been doing this for a while, there's a lot of like sort of, uh, in you know, knowledge that you build up from experience. But if you look yeah. at like, I mean, let's just look at, do a direct comparison. Like what makes your product successful on Amazon? How they're merchandised, the images, the reviews, from your peers um, and then your post-purchase experience, basically, which feeds back into the reviews. Mm-hmm. What, what about on these OTAs on these sites? You're selling images mm-hmm. um, and the reviews are how people learn about. And ultimately it doesn't matter if someone bought something on Amazon and had, if they bought a candle and they're like, this thing sucks, I hate it. And they didn't write a negative review. It doesn't impact the sales. Same thing, same thing's true on the OTA. You could have a guest that yeah. has a horrible time for one reason or, or maybe they're just not good guests. If they don't leave a negative review, like it doesn't, you know, so there are lots of, lots and lots of parallels. And the thing you said also about just friction and reducing clicks, and there's a great book called The Effortless Experience, which is all about, yeah. customer service and really interesting this is Matt Dixon, who I used to work with at CB when I was a lowly salesperson, <laughs> lowly sales rep. I was not even like a, like, you know, like the cold caller. Yeah. <laughs> um, the big takeaway from that book is you get a lot more benefit from just being easy to use than like over the top service. Mm. Like the benefit of over the top service is there but the benefit of just being easy and frictionless is significant. And so that's why it's called the effortless experience. It's like, instead of focusing yeah. your customer service org on like a, a surprise and delight, or I forget what that is like, yeah. you know, um, 
you should just be focusing on making things really, really easy. Because when we do customer service surveys and they see this across all these companies, that's what people really care about. That's why Amazon patented one-click checkout. Like back then, you know, people are like, what? That's such a weird thing to pat one-click checkout. Who cares? Because the difference between one-click checkout and two-click checkout or three is significant. People drop off. And I think the same thing is also true um, in these sort of, I mean, we. I think the nice thing about the short-term rental space, I mean, actually all of hospitality, we are all generally users as well. We're hosts, but we stay with other hosts. We're GMs, but we stay at other hotels. And so we can see it from both sides. I mean, when things are just easy and frictionless, um, that's sort of like the key when things are not yeah. easy when something's challenging, even if people are going above and beyond, it still is just like, Oh, okay. And we're just, we're spoiled, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I could go on, but I think that there are a lot of parallels between e-commerce and hospitality. And a lot of it is just that like, we're moving towards more digital world. And so how do you represent products digitally right now? You really just do that through images and video and descriptions and reviews. And so that becomes really, really important no matter what you're selling. 100%. And my, I don't think my roommates listen to the podcast, but if they did listen to this episode, they would make fun of me because comparatively, I am the guy that goes for convenience over, you know, price or service, right? Like if my, if it, if I'm in New York and it's easier for me to call an Uber than it is to wave down a taxi, even if the taxi is cheaper, I will call an Uber. I'll do it. Yeah. 100%. I don't care. I want easy. Um, and so I'm all about convenience versus price, anything. Um, and I think, you know, coming back to the the statement earlier, we're in the attention economy. Um, this is something like even we struggled with as podcasters in our network. Like the question I get asked is like, how long is too long of an episode? Like, I'm like, I don't know. I have episodes that go in like hour, 30 minutes and people still listen. So obviously the attention's there, but then we have a podcast that's 10 minutes long at most. And it's obviously still thriving great too because they can people can get easily give up 10 minutes of their time um and so i think you know when it comes to even e-commerce right like i'm i'm a amazon prime member so i know that when i see the buy now button and it'll be there tomorrow all i do is this swipe and it's done i don't have to like easier it's crazy (laughs) it's like it really keeps getting easier and easier and um that's the secret. I mean, that's what the, these best companies know. That's why they spend so much time on making it 0.1% easier because that's mm-hmm. what what wins. And we spend a lot of time, I mean, on our business, when we're talking about hosts, it's like- Yeah, I was just going to ask, I mean, like, what do you guys- yeah. yeah, I mean, the things that are not easy is when people are, fur- when, you, when you're when you furnishing, like if you're furnishing a two bedroom rental from scratch, you need to buy like 175 items or something like that. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, the plates, the mo- everything for the kitchen, everything for the bathrooms, all the decor. The way people are doing that currently is if they're organized, they're doing it in a, in a Google sheet and putting links in and putting in the price. And that's how they're tracking sort of budget. Um, what they're not having an easy time tracking is like ship dates. You know, especially yeah. if you're ordering across 20 different brands, like if you're getting 170 items, you're likely getting them from a bunch of different places. And so then mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, when will this get delivered? When will this get delivered? And how much does it, okay. So add this cost to that cost and then, okay, now tracking, oh, tracking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How's tracking done? They're going to send me a tracking link. Okay. So now I have to track emails from 20 different suppliers and all the tracking. And so that's why we really focus Minoan on just like, 
there's technology. You can build technology to make this stuff easier. You know, there, yeah. there are there are ways to integrate with the carriers and drive automated uh, updates on tracking. I mean, that's what a lot of these retailers do. There are ways to bring in shipping and discounted pricing information all in one place, even if it's 20 different brands. And so we're really, really focused, really relentlessly focused on ease of use and value. So make it as easy as possible to do this stuff. Hosts, GMs, they got a lot going on, a lot going on. Um, how do we make the ordering of products as easy as possible, like set it and forget it? And then the yeah. second one is value. We really believe that the moments that happen between people and products in these spaces are incredibly valuable. And so mm -hmm. if we believe that, that means that brands shouldn't just view hosts or hotels as customers for them to make money off of. They should view them as marketing partners to help them reach more potential customers. That Okay, those two things have a very different economic relationship. And so yes. how do we go and beat this drum with brands and say, hey, you need to, you know, and they're like, but our margins. And I'm like, I know, I know you're not going to make a lot of money. You're not going to make <laughs> a lot of money into the hotel, but, or the property, but you're going to get all these people coming in and using your product and then we'll sell it there at full retail. So you make more money there. And so um, ease of use and value. It's like what we're really trying to obsessively focus on. And we get really good feedback from hosts that use us around both of those things, but we're very ambitious and we want to make it even easier. I mean, when, you know, obviously we talk to a lot of hosts, you talk to a lot of hosts, when you get the hosts that get beyond a certain number of properties, the thing you hear about over and over again is systems, the importance of having a system. You need to have a system for cleaning. You need to have a system for acquiring and evaluating properties. You need to have a system for pricing. These things that work in a one, two property, three property, they do not work when you get to 10, 15, 50. You need these machines where things happen and you maintain the system and the system grows. You also need a system for maintaining what you order and the inventory you hold in these properties, the ordering process. And that's where I feel like we've seen a lot of gaps with really good hosts. I mean, prolific institutionally backed short-term rental companies with tons of money in the bank. And they still don't have a good system just for ordering stuff. You know, it'll be like, Oh, we have, five people whose full-time job is to add items from a cart to Amazon and ship them to a property full-time. That's what they do full-time. Wow. Yeah. Why? You know, like um, technology has been built to solve these problems. No one's just done it. I don't know why no one's decided to do this in hospitality. Um, and so, yeah, that that's what we really want to, I mean, does the amount of time people waste on manual tasks that could and should be automated um, yeah. is pretty mind boggling. See how far like consumer retail has gone, like with Amazon. I mean, the one it's like you're talking about the swipe, and then to see how yeah. far behind like B2B retail is. And like, I think there's a stat that 50% of B2B suppliers and brands don't even have a transactional website. Like, you can't even, mm. it's just crazy. So there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot yeah. for us to, to solve, but right now it's like, make it easy, 
offer good value, make it really easy, offer good value. And then, you know, we can build on from there. For sure. And I, the way I kind of look at it is like getting into the industry as when I was a front desk agent, I always asked the question was like, why are we doing all these checklists? Like what, why can't the, the property management software do this for us? Then my managers would give me some excuse. This is how it's done. The software is how it is, blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. And then that was the similar. And I thought it was just maybe the hotel, right? I was like, okay, it's a big property. We have to, you know, do all this stuff manually to, to check or, you know, cross our T's, dot our I's. And then I go to another property and then I go to a restaurant and then I go to another property. And then I started becoming a manager and st- still seeing the same stuff on yes. accounting and, and revenue management. Also, I'm like, wow, we like the way I've looked at it is that hospitality, especially on the B2B side is the redhead stepchild that doesn't, I would say has not had any big innovation in tech until Airbnb came along. That's and that like some of my listeners may hate that statement, but I think we have not been innovators or the emerging industry for any real technology comparatively to Amazon's and the other companies uh, outside of our industry. Yeah. I mean, it's a great, yeah. I mean, love it or hate it. Like the industry has been around for a long time. I mean, you, you, I've, I've, you know, we did a conference, a local conference in Vermont for, we like to get involved in like the state associations and work with them. And yeah. so um, it's like, yeah, some of these hosts, it's like, they're like, yeah, we've been a host for 50 years. It's like, you know, they were hosts before Brian Chesky and Joe Gebbio well, were like born, yeah. right? So yeah. They didn't invent the category, but they did no. bring a frictionless aggregated experience to the industry. Um, mm-hmm. And clearly- that's what consumers want. I mean, they're they're yeah. voting with their wallets. That's what they want. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, there's Verbo and HomeAway. You know, that like they're not the only ones, but yeah, clearly they've. I mean, they have the biggest consumer audience, which just means they've built something that consumers really value. Well, and I think it's and, a very valid statement you made. Yeah, well, I was gonna say no again, no digs to Verbo or HomeAway or any of those other companies that were before Airbnb, but they just did it right. I'm sorry, like Verbo was not the easiest. Uh, to use it was very again still one of those things like it was really the only platform right so it was like okay we have to get on uh because this is where travelers are but then airbnb comes along and it's so simple um and so searchable i think you know that's a whole other topic again you and i would probably go on a rant on uh is the searchability i think you know google like everyone used to go to google and what is blank how do i blank right very big broad statement or searches now yeah. I would even I would even put money on that it's becoming more and more micro searches are becoming more and more detail oriented, so that way now when we're searching for things you're getting less and less search results because of the detail put into the search. Um, this is just like from us having like 2,600 episodes on our HFM website. I'm realizing through like search activities, not just like people typing in housekeeping or typing in technology or typing in certain bigger, broader statements, they're really going to the micro status of, you know, how do I prevent my housekeeping turnover? Literally, that would be a search statement. Getting yeah. so micro comparatively. So I think it's it's very interesting to see, you know, the e-commerce place of, you know, Airbnb to shoppable experiences that are not only uh, virtual and digital, but, in real life, like this chair could be at an Airbnb property uh, and I could, you know, easily scan it from a no store and, and go home with it. 
not go home with it, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah, so, we try yeah. to ship it to you to make it <laughs> again, making yeah. it easier. If you want to leave with it in your truck, maybe. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's kind of my my whole rant on on just I think the the way that consumers consume is going to is, is yeah, like the way you guys see it too. They're voting with their wallet. Um, but I also say like they're getting more and more micro oriented, right? Like people know what they want now. I think stuff has been around long enough that we don't need the broader not I can't say don't need. We don't need as much of the broader search. It's much more in the micro um, faucet, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty incredible. I mean, think about like going from looking things up in encyclopedias and uh, yeah. true. Like that was, you know, back then it was like, wow, the whole world yeah. at your fingertips. I mean, people would sell those things door to door. Seriously. Uh, I like, remember my parents when I was in like, I don't know, fourth or fifth grade being like, you need to carry a dictionary with you because this yeah. is like the most important book in the world based on knowledge and accessibility and like all this stuff. And I was like, I hate the dictionary. Yeah. I got so, <laughs> I, I got so mad whenever they told me that. I was like, uh, stop, stop pushing yeah. the dictionary on me. But yeah. it's like, go from that. And then now it's because that was like one organization basically saying, here's everything you need to know. But now with like, you know, Google just, it's like, it's the front page of the internet. And so as yeah, you can find very, very, very specific things and answers. And I think that's the, that they're just changing behavior where we expect, we expect to be able to get answers for very nuanced, you know, micro, as you would say, searches or questions. Yeah. Well, uh, another kind of like one of the closing questions I wanted to ask you that I wrote down earlier is just more or less from, from your experience going from, you know, starting off in the startup life with Jet being one of the top or not the top, one of the first 50 people there, then seeing how fast that company grew, 80 million a month, you know, that's freaking nuts. Uh, to then, you know, getting to the execution of Noen, uh, to now the stage that you guys are at, what has been the biggest learning takeaway implementation for you personally as a founder that you may not have known or realized prior to you getting into this industry or into this you know, career path that you've chosen? Yeah, I think um, another, I guess, part of my career that I did mention that it's important in this question is I did start my own business while I was in that sales job called Tail Your, which is basically like virtual tailoring. So I had this experience mm-hmm. where my dad was getting uh, married. I didn't like have any button downs. I never wore button downs. I had to get one. You know, it was like a smock and I had to get it tailored and it was like 80 bucks. I was like 80 bucks. The shirt was like 30 bucks. I'm paying you 80 bucks to tailor. And then, you know, it was like, I feel like more people would get stuff tailored if it was cheaper. And so built this experience uh, where you could do that. And it was freaking hard, man. That was like (laughs) my first run in with the entrepreneurial buzzsaw. Like, yeah, I was like, oh, you just start a company. And then it's like, wow, everything's hard. Everything. Every part of everything stuff you already knew was going to be hard is hard. And then the stuff you didn't even think about is hard. And there's so much. And so that was important because it's my, the perspective I went into jet with was like, how do you do this? (laughs) Because I tried to do it and ended up flat on my ass basically. So like, (laughs) how do you do it? And um, man, it's just like, it's about, having a really clear vision and hiring really good people and making them clear on the vision 
and having a system for them to operate. So values, you know, this is how we make decisions and just let them go. Just let them go. Hire good people. And Mark Laurie would say this all the time. Hire good people and then trust them so much that they could burn you, but they choose not to, you know? Um, and we're, I mean, at Minoan, it's like, you know, like all my employees have access to the bank account. Like they're paying, you know, we're, we're paying hosts, we're paying people. Like someone could definitely clear that thing out and, you know, run to Canada or Mexico. Uh, <laughs> we brought on a, like actual accountants who were like, you cannot do this. So probably less so now, but I mean, there's lots of situations where in Minoan, it's like, we just trust people. We're very transparent. Um, we just shared out sort of like pay scales. So it's like, Hey, if you're at this level, this is how much you make. This is how much equity you get. If you're at this level, this is how much you make. There's no negotiation. When you look around the person at your level, they didn't negotiate something higher. Like it's, it's transparent. When you get promoted, you know exactly what you move into. You know exactly how the yeah. equity changes. And so I think um, the transparency, the trust, I mean, these are actually the values of JET, trust, transparency, and fairness, which mm. are great. And I think one of the hardest things about, like, there's no new information. There's no, like, when I, you know, when you start a company, it's not like, oh, this is what makes it work. No one ever talks about this. It's all the same stuff. It's not going to be any information that you haven't heard before. Hire good people. Yeah, we've all heard that, you yeah. know? Have a clear vision, maintain focus. We've all heard that, you know, systems. Like, have systems. We've all heard yeah. that. It's just the wisdom of having context. You know, it's like, yeah, I know, hire good people. But then when you actually do it, you're like, oh man, you got to hire good people. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> uh, I get it now. I thought I understood it, but now I really understand it because I have the context and experience. And so I don't think there are any secret silver bullets you know there's no information that i could share out that um aren't already yeah. tons of blogs and stuff but what i will say i learned at jet is like you got to be you got to be bold and you got to be fearless and you got to kind of just like hold hands to the people with your left and your right and just march forward through whatever and sometimes it doesn't work mm -hmm. you know and that's okay like sometimes these companies don't work. That's fine. Um, you know, good ideas fail. Good founders fail. Good founders with good ideas still fail. fail. But um, if you don't give up and you just keep moving and keep moving, your chances of success are actually pretty high. <laughs> um, and so I think the biggest thing is just like really like getting missionaries and not mercenaries and aligning people, building trust, being transparent, setting a vision, letting your vision be openly debated and discussed, letting someone say, I actually don't agree with that. Okay, let's talk about it mm. because maybe you're right and we can change it. But I've thought about this a lot. I have, you know, a hundred pages in a notepad that was next to my bed that say, this is the way to do it. And so if you can poke holes in it, then fine. But I've spent a lot of time and I'm ready to defend it in front of the company. Yeah. And so I think all that stuff is what I've learned so far, but I'm still, I mean, we were talking about education and self-discovery. Mm -hmm. Like I'm still learning a lot about myself and what works. And so, you know, we could have this conversation again in a couple of years and I don't know, maybe yeah. you'll get a different answer. That's just how wisdom works. You know, you, you 
you see the same information, but you see it in a different way. That's why sometimes you read a book when you're younger, you read it again, 10, yeah. 10 years later and you're like, wow, I did not read it that way. I did not read yeah. it that way first time around. Book hasn't changed, but your perspective has changed. And so I think that's true of, of everything. 100%. And I was going to say, I, I love that question because of the context behind the answer that you, you said it perfectly. There's no secret behind what makes a successful company or founder. You know, it's you hear the same things over and over again. But really, the context of like, I, again, you said it perfectly hire good people. Yeah, everyone's heard it. But I also, like, just like you, I didn't experience that until I hired Claire and Michael on my team. It was like, yeah. holy crap, like this this is what it's like to have good people. I'm not putting out fires every five minutes because you guys are literally running with the passion and mission of like what has, you know, the trust aspect, right? Like trust them enough to like, you know, they could rob me if they wanted to, yeah. but they don't. Yeah. Like, like yeah. I, I think that's like incredibly important because I, I've never had that as, as an employee, uh, as an employee myself, I never had a boss trust me enough to run with things. Every time I tried to run with something, I was shut down. It was like, Hey, no, we can't do that. Why would you? Why would you give this guest a twenty-five dollar discount or whatever the the things may be, right? And so to like learn it oppositely, if that's even a word. Um, yeah. To learn, hey, you know, check the dictionary. Okay. <laughs> I was like shop, like shoppable and oppositely are going to be the the words of, <laughs> of this uh, uh, this podcast. But you know, the to have that opposite experience, you know, I think again, it just goes to show that the context behind the lessons spoken is really the lesson learned, right? Like I don't, you know, yeah. again, you can't like the top five lessons of entrepreneurship, hire good people, do this, do that, blah, blah, blah. Great. They're out there for free. You can look it up on, like you said, all these blogs, all these things, but until that context is, is applied, then I think that's when you really learn uh, kind of like the whole lesson behind it. Yeah. People who are looking for the silver bullet, uh, uh, you know, I'm sorry to disappoint there's not going to be one but yeah but reading those reading those things and learning those things then when you experience it you're like oh okay it really sticks <laughs> whereas that because click. doing that yeah yeah how do you know that the what the, the the light bulb yeah, yeah. oh the light bulb yeah. sorry this means yeah. uh understand in sign language and i thought you were i also well, let's say I also do sign. So yeah, oh, okay. that, uh, yeah, but that for me is always like the, oh shoot, like, yeah, yeah I'm deaf. So for all the podcast listeners, actually, I've never shared this publicly on, on the show. I'm actually deaf in my left ear and I took ASL in high school. So, uh, I actually practice sign a lot. And so understand. Yeah. It's very, Dude, you want to know something else? My mom and my sister are deaf. So I grew up Whoa. signing. So Whoa. I also sign. We'll do the next one in sign language. <laughs> that, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, uh, my sign is gonna need more practice. A lot. Oh, like that's a pretty lot good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it, it, I was. Yeah. Anyway, it's a whole other another episode. But I was way better back in high school when I actually practiced it on a daily. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's still uh, sticking. Yeah, we get. Oh, yeah. We should. Uh, my fiance is now, so that'd be really interesting to do a podcast in all sign. Anyways, I'm going to think about that one for a future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, sweet. I know we got distracted here at this last portion, but uh, Mark, I really en have enjoyed the conversation. And I just think for anyone listening, short-term rentals, hotels, restaurants, cafes, technology entrepreneurs, founders, 
And the, the whole point of this show is not to just interview founders for founders. It's really to interview founders and talk about this type of stuff for anybody. Like, right. I don't think you need to be a founder to listen to this conversation. I think everything that you said uh, is applicable to a team member, to a stay at home parent, to uh, whoever, right? Like I think just overall this conversation has been really fun for me. Um, so I just want to say thank you for, for just being open and transparent and, coming on and talking about Minoan and yeah, it's just been really cool. Yeah. I love that you said that because the reality is the only difference, the only thing that makes the founder, the founder is they're just the person who set it up. But I think in terms of mentality and the approach, like this stuff is just true of anyone. So um, I think that's uh, these are things that we push on our team. It's part of our culture from top to bottom. So yeah, I loved it too. That flew by. Wow. It seriously did. Well, for all the Slick Talk listeners out there, if you're watching the live or if you're listening on the audio version, check out all the links in the show notes. Make sure you like and subscribe to everything Minoan. Uh, Connect with Mark on LinkedIn or any other platform that we link into the show notes. Uh, Really appreciate everything. Again, Mark, it's just been really incredible. And for all of you listeners and subscribers, we will see you guys all again next week. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to our show partners for making Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast possible. We hope you enjoyed the show and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast. So you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content or find us on slicktalkthepodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week. As I've been growing my business and finding new ways to add to my property portfolio, I have to think about how I can anticipate the homeowner's needs, just like I do for my guests. One of the things owners always ask is, how is my property going to be protected? What happens if something gets damaged or worse? These are valid questions and concerns, and I have an opportunity to address these concerns before they even get mentioned, all thanks to having Safely as part of my toolkit. I can ensure all stakeholders are covered during a guest day and use this information as a way to grow my business by ensuring my property owners know they can trust that I have them covered. If you're a professional property manager, then you need to get safely in your tool belt so you can focus on operating and growing your business. Thanks for listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Now, back to an episode.